1: Because it does mean different things for different people. Like, for me, hmm. I chose to go on cross-gender hormones. That was that. And then I was okay. happy. Some people will be like, no, I want the surgeries. And a lot of trans men get top surgery and have their female chest removed. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you get people who are, like, dressing as a male and that's, or as a female. and That's good enough for me. Or you might even get there are some trans men who are like, I identify as male, but I don't think that it should be attached to any sort of clothing so i'm still gonna wear my makeup and my dresses and the things yeah. that we traditionally consider feminine but just know i'm a guy yeah. so you get all of that kind of stuff it's really a process of talking with your kid about what do they mean by this it's a wonderful chaos yes. random
0: messy and glorious solo or tandem
1: we work to find rest we fight to find peace for
2: Show and the more that
0: learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healed, and the atheist pray. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like
2: it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way.
0: It's a wonderful
1: chaos. Like a wonderful
2: chaos. Like so today we have Jack Ori. Yes,
0: chaos. we have Jack Ori on, and the show is Becoming a Man gender roles, of course, as well. But we're going to be discussing with Jack Gorey, becoming a man. And I I wrote this out because I always screw these things up, uh, being raised and socialized female and transitioning to become a man.
2: And I love what Andy said before the show. I saw your little finger. He said that we on the show, we endeavor to talk about everything that is not talked about. And we're going to do that on a wonderful chaos. (laughs) So today I was feeling sorry for myself. So I, I, uh, I put I put this beautiful classical music piece and I put the camera filming me as I was cold emailing. Uh, and you can see the sun coming out through the window. And I was like, this is what you need to do when you love what you're doing, grind.
0: Uh, <laughs> I love, you know what I love about whatever state of mind you're in is that you're, you're embracing it and you're not struggling through it. And I find that just delicious.
2: I, I, I am really having fun because uh for those of you who don't know i've been meditating 100 minutes a day for the last three weeks now it's my work third week ah. and and writing gratitudes every day like i said for the next 30 days we're going to experience how my mindset changes when i do this practice every day no compromise and i see that my bank account hasn't changed but i have changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and 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 what came up for me, why was this was important, is is I no longer feel a struggle. In in fact, I'm tapping into creativity, which wasn't there before with the stress, Hmm. which gives me the possibility to strive instead of thrive, uh, thrive instead of uh, Survive. survive. Yeah. So that was, and even today, a friend messaged me, he's like, hey, my partner's birthday and we're collecting money. And I saw I saw my passive wanting to ignore that message. Yeah. I was like, hey, listen, this is where I'm at right now. I want I'm not going to dance around it, but I'd love to have dinner with you guys at some point. And it was really beautiful because it made us closer as opposed to just ignoring it. Yeah, I love that. <sighs> so that was me. I've unloaded. I'm fully present. Andy, <laughs> Meanwhile, Andy was making pictures of the Vondo Park. Everyone's partying. <laughs> it's pretty dangerous out there now. I think that. <laughs> the, the
0: police are going to get active in about an hour from now and it's going to be on the international news. So we're going to see rioting at some point in the park. Yeah. Ugh. Um. So this is a show that I'm two sides on. I'm really excited and I know I'm going to offend people and I know I'm going <laughs> to offend people because I, there are ways in which people tend to negotiate discussions around gender and, and, and I don't know the rules. And and I haven't been doing a lot of research on those rules. Yeah. And what I loved with Jack, Jack is basically said, "Hey, I'll let you know when you're um, when you're uh, off base, right?" And, yeah. But in a loving way. So
2: Andy's apologizing upfront.
0: Yes, <laughs> but that won't help because anyone that's offended is going to re- write me a message, anyways. Yeah. But and it was really nice because it even started in the introduction because I wanted to create the context for the show. And then, of course, in asking Jack, I said, well, Jack, let's frame it. Like, what would, for for instance, be like the name you were born with and then discuss like the obvious sort of A to B transition? And then the first thing Jack says, in general, transgenders don't want to necessarily bring up that past name, right? And then he was lovingly said, hey, I'm happy to do it. But I'm like, we don't have to do it then. I mean, there's no need. But those are the kind of things that are nice because you only learn that through the interaction. And I I think that's the beauty of the show and what I want in my life is I don't have to live everyone else's issue, but when I'm with them, I can enjoy the deeper understanding of how it is to live in another person's shoes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're going to love this show because even the three, four minutes that we had with Jack before we started, you can tell that he's very heart connected. And he, like there was no tension even when Andy was uh, messing up. That yeah, was never that bad. No, no, no. But I'm,
0: I'm like nicely offensive. And without further ado, shall we? Yeah, I say on? we bring Jack on. Welcome with a great beard. Jack.
1: <laughs> hey, Andy, how are you?
0: Good. This is Bambos, by the way. He's the better looking of the two. <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. And I think it's also important to note that we're discussing the transgender thing, but in in actuality, your life is also very much not about that. You're an author who writes books that have nothing to do with transgender.
1: Right, exactly. And that's definitely like part of my life is uh, being a parenting coach for parents of transgender kids. And the other part of my life is the rest of my life. But uh, yeah, but yeah. You know I really think it's the way it is for everybody like um I think when someone transitions they change their whole life they don't just change their gender so
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because I also mentioned that my niece who I'm also close to has gone through this transition not only transition she she was born catholic And then she transitioned to become Jewish. And at the same time, she's transitioning gender to be gender identified as male. And and what I found fascinating is that you said that your job is there to coach the parents of these children. And I would and I'd laugh and say I I could imagine there are a lot of times my brother and his wife could have used coaching to address their challenges because theirs were as great as their daughter, their daughter, who now is their son. You know
1: yeah definitely there's a, that's one of the reasons I do it is because there's a real need for that. I used to work for the Trevor Project, which is a crisis line for lGbt youth, mostly, but we got a lot of parents who called too, uh-huh. and sometimes parents would call and they would be like, "My child just told me they're really a girl, or they just told me they're really a boy, and what do I do like you know, and one of the things I learned from that and from my own transition is that parents go through their own. Process because by the time you come out, like, uh, you've already done all the soul searching and all this, it's really me and all of that, and decided this is what I have to do. But then you go and tell your parents, and it's all new for them, and they're like, What? Yeah, they're right at the beginning. And
0: and you know, it's sort of like it's sort of like all the phases of death you know, it's like denial, anger, (laughs) like they have to go through all of that process,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah. that whole process plus i think a lot of times parents have this feeling like not guilt exactly but like how did i not know like how did my mm. child have this big secret mm. and i had no idea kind of thing
2: Yeah, makes me feel a bit emotional mm. um when i when i tune into a child need to tell their parents like that level of vulnerability Ooh. and maybe not right. received in that moment yeah and then what is the time frame between I got the information now I'm going to make a phone call and and right. if they make the phone call right yeah because I can right. imagine oh you need to you need to talk to someone
1: <laughs> right right and it, it becomes it's a difficult thing and I think a lot of parents too like Um, sometimes they'll feel like they'll go through this stage of, is this really my child? Maybe it's just a phase. Maybe they just got this idea somewhere. And when they're in that stage, they're not really all that open to it. But that's the time where I think parents do call like crisis lines because they're like, well, these people – we will understand
0: <laughs> yeah. if
1: no one else will. And I think, you know, it's also the kind of thing where I think there's not as much information readily available as there might be, yeah. especially I'm in America where, you know, we, we're we debating a lot about should trans kids be allowed to yeah. have, go to school if they're gender and what bathroom should they be yeah. in and all that stuff oh. that seems to be very important in America. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you <laughs> know, so for a lot of parents it's all new to them. They're like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? And that's why I want to fill that need because as someone who's transgender who didn't come out until I was an adult, it's that perspective that a lot of people are missing because you can go to a therapist who maybe has been trained in learning what these issues are, but it's not the same as talking to somebody who's experienced it.
0: Yeah, and I guess there is a... a, And, and, you know, the hardest thing is, is as the parent... On one level, you have to say, oh, it is a phase because you don't know at the start. Because even if you take it totally seriously and say, "Okay, we're going to get a gender assignment, you know, I mean, then in a weird way, you're not letting it unfold.
1: Right. Um, Because you're right. Because it does mean different things for different people. Like for me, Hmm. um, I chose to go on cross gender hormones and that was that. And then I was (laughs) happy. Some people... So you can go to some people and be like, no, I not want the surgeries, and you know, a lot of a lot of trans men get top surgery and have their female chest removed, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't something that I personally fi- felt I needed to do. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you get people who are like, I'm dressing as a male, and that's or as a female, and that's good enough for me. Yeah. Or you might get someone who. Does, or you might even get there are some trans men who are like, I identify as male, but I don't think that it should be uh, attached to any sort of clothing, so I'm still going to wear my makeup and my dresses and the things yeah. that we traditionally consider feminine, but just know I'm a guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you get all of that kind of stuff, you, and you really have to talk – it's really a process of talking with your kid about what do they mean by this, and what do they yeah. want now, and – What's the best way to handle this? And what's the first step? And that's what could be overwhelming, too, because I think a parent here is transgender and they're thinking irreversible stuff, hormones yeah. and surgery. And yeah. it doesn't
0: have to be that way. I think that the the real mind fuck is that it's and, and, and this is going to get kind of meta. So I apologize. But the mind needs to categorize to create comfort and so these gender roles which have been so implicitly in our socialized lives are so hard to not see so in a way what we're asking the brain to do is let go of all the biases all the prejudices that you have have you you didn't even know you had until we said hey this isn't a man, this is a female. So and all of a sudden you're confronted with the things you didn't even know that you had as beliefs in your system.
1: Right, exactly. I think that, that's. I think you really hit the nail on the head with that because it's so ingrained in us that we don't even really think about how gendered things are. You know, anytime that you fill out a form for anything, it'll ask, what's your gender? Yeah. And now I'm starting to notice like, and I know of medical forms you kind of need to know sometimes because the doctor needs to know like what the perfect treatments were and things are. But like, I was happy today filling out that form to find out where I can get my COVID vaccine that asks what's your gender, male, female, or non-binary, or prefer not to say, which I thought was really cool here in New York. Cause
0: a lot of, places uh, and, and, still and, don't and, and, and so, and so you're, and when they say, what is your gender, then you will say male.
1: Yes. Yes, I will say okay. male.
0: And then and then what would be the question that you would you would say? F- would you ever say female on a forum for anything right now? Well, if, if you ask.
1: Well, if it's if it asks like biological sex, sometimes it gets a little bit confusing because. But if, yeah. But if it's so, gender, I'll say mal. Um If, you know, with medical things, I try to find a way to let them know just in case because there's might be something they need to know about it. Exactly. Um, and there was this time where where I was trying to get student loans and I had to put female on the form because when I put male, it was like, you haven't registered for the selective service, so we can't give you student loans. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to go through all that red tape and explain all that
0: put female <laughs> on the form. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, practical reasons, just practical reasons. Got it. Can, can you kind of like, I want to be a five-year-old on this show because I am completely ignorant. Hmm. Um, and in a way, I'm, I'm really – I know my curiosity has being drawn to the moment in your life when you started to feel that something was different in you. And on, what was the journey that you took and how did you articulate it, at sure. least to yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's – there were actually two parallel journeys because there was one when I was a kid and then there was when I was an adult that actually did something about it. Because mm. as a kid, I didn't really – You know, I was raised in the, I was born in 78. So during the 80s and 90s, there weren't like all this awareness of transgender issues that we have now. Like on my Facebook group now, I have some people who have kids who are three, four, five years old who are transgender. And that was not a thing when I was growing up. So I didn't really have the language. So as a kid, I felt more like a boy than a girl. Um, And I would do things like, uh, obviously, I have the big beard now, but I remember thinking when I was eight, nine years old, when I grow up, I want my beard to look like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to have one. I'm a girl kind of thing uh, yeah. where I would think like that. And then um, mm. there was also the whole thing of, you know, I was treated as a girl. I was told you know, I was sent to the girls' bathroom, talked about it. as a girl, I was you know, I had a sister and a brother, and I would be called their sister, you know, all those gendered things. So I just kind of assumed like, well, I'm the kid, they're the adult and they're thinking of a girl, so that must be right um, and this
0: and this is how old are we now when you're saying this? like maybe
1: five, six okay, so um. that was, when I was really young. and then, you know, growing up, it wasn't something I really thought about. It just sort of becomes ingrained, like you said, like, but then when I, as I got older, I did do things like I would, when I went away to college, I would use like male personas on online forums. Like I would put a male name and say I was male and then feel like, oh my God, that I'm saying something that I'm not because what if they find out kind of thing. But I didn't Mm -hmm. really connect it until in my thirties, I made a friend who at the time was um, the first person I knew who ever came out as transgender. So by knowing her and seeing her journey, it started making me think, you know, like, what is going on with my journey? And there were things I identified with. And I felt like – and I always felt like when people – sometimes when people will be like, ma'am, or say, girl or woman, it didn't feel like it connected with me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so at that time, I was like, okay, I started – saying I was gender neutral was the word I used, where I was like, I'm not. And there are people, you know, who are non-binary, gender neutral, gender yeah. queer, all those kinds of words who feel like they're not strictly male or female or identifying all sorts yeah. of ways. But for me, it was just like a way of trying to figure it out because I was like, well, I'm male and I'm female kind of thing. And then I would dress male, have a male haircut and go, and go to a restaurant and they would be like, how you doing, ma'am? And that would annoy me. And I would be like, what is wrong with them and at that point is when I was like okay I have to go beyond just dressing this way because this is driving me crazy
0: yeah so the the you skipped a lot of years you went from five to 30 and I'm thinking to myself like from five that's 25 years in there so during those 25 years are you I, obviously you're not, you, 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 don't, you're not identifying yourself as, right. as, as, as female, but the world is identifying you as female. Right. Do you, right. do you, when you're going out, are you dating? Are you, or like? Yeah, are you, so, so how yeah, does that, so, how does that look?
1: Right. So that was a kind of thing that was really very awkward in a lot of ways. One thing I went through puberty very early. So by the time I was 10 or 11, I was completely developed as a female um so that was like kind of like uh I didn't know what to do with that and um then as a teenager I didn't really you know I didn't really date but then because I was also very, I also have autism so it's also so I was also like very mixed in with it um college I dated people who were not really the appropriate people to date um I ended up in this, my longest relationship was with somebody who was addicted to drugs and Mm -hmm. I met them because I was doing a master's program in creative writing. And one of my teachers had a stepdaughter who had just gotten out of rehab and her mom was like, Oh, why don't you go live with her? That would be great for both of you because it was really more of a, why don't you fix my daughter kind of thing without saying it. And her daughter had a friend from her drug days who um i became friends with and the daughter w- was jealous of us and there was a lot of craziness and chaos yeah. that went on and i ended up living with him and that ended up being a very unhealthy type of relationship, to where i wasn't using drugs other than smoking pot which i did with him but the hard stuff i know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was an alcoholic and an addict and so yeah. my life was very chaotic
0: yeah horrible.
1: and so, yeah. And unfortunately he ended up overdosing soon after I left. So yeah. that was my but, longest I mean, but, relationship. So you that.
0: were so you were you weren't you weren't dating you weren't dating females. So you were dating right. males.
1: Right. I was dating a male to that point. And then at a point after I moved to North Carolina, I was I had gone to California for school from New York. Then I moved to North Carolina because I wanted to get my teacher's license, and that was when my friend passed away, um, mm. like right after I moved there. And then, um, at some point during that, I started exploring my sexual identity, and I came out as asexual, which is, um, which means like I don't. Well, I identify more as demisexual. I don't feel sexual attraction unless I first feel that emotional connection. So and at that time, I was just like, I would love to try a relationship with a woman and see how that works out. Mm. And then I started transitioning somewhere along there. I started exploring my gender identity and I went to I went to a therapist because I thought I was supposed to because um,
0: that's what you do. (laughs)
1: yeah and then she said all you should do is go to planned parenthood and they will give you in north carolina planned parenthood takes care of transition which is interesting um and Uh so i did go to planned parenthood and they asked me a lot of questions about like how long have you felt this way like pretty much all the same stuff that we've been discussing yeah and they started me on hormones then i moved to new york to be closer to my family after my sister had her kids can we
0: slow down that and, process a little yeah. bit cuz I so when you start taking hormones you're in your 30s right like like what is the what what do you experience and at what pace so like so, when, right. what what is it that you start to see different in yourself and how does that like happen over time
1: right yeah so the hormones worked really well for me like it varies from person to person i know a lot of people it takes a long time from seeing any changes but i started like seeing facial hair immediately seeing hair on my Uh, body immediately that kind of stuff and it made me feel more right like more like who i'm supposed to be so i saw right away like less depression and feeling better about life and my family noticed that too because i come out to them during this time. Mm. And I remember my mom being on the phone with my uncle and she was still using my female name. but she was like, yeah, she seems more happy now. And I was just like, that's funny, disconnect me because I was like, yeah, was looking kind of like Yeah, but
0: this. isn't that isn't get yeah, that goes back to what we were saying earlier is that the individual, it's it's so difficult to switch the brains yeah. autopilot, you right? Like, because even my niece, who's the niece, I can't. She's not a niece anymore; she's a nephew. Right. Mentally, mentally, it's like a jungle gym in my brain, trying to say, "Oh, I have to switch it." It's like a, it's a very, it's a very active process. It's like not, it's not that you can passively talk; you really have to think a lot.
2: Right. Right. Before before you continue, yeah. um, Were there moments with your with your parents, if I can ask, where you experienced? Uh, not being able to feel their love or maybe they had a hard time communicating love?
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much that I didn't feel their love, but I felt like I knew my parents loved me, but I felt like they didn't know who I was kind of thing, like... Mm. I felt like they loved this fake person who wasn't really me. So yeah. that was kind of confusing. Yeah. And it was kind yeah. of hard to come out even though my parents are the kind of people who I knew in the abstract were accepting. They believed in gay and transgender rights and that kind of thing. Mm. But it's also no matter how accepting your family is, there's always a thought in your back of your head they might feel that in the abstract, but it could be different when it's your own child. Yeah. So it was a hard thing to do. And especially because at first when I wasn't really clear on it and I switched to using my Hebrew name, which was also a feminine name, but I was like, people won't know cause it's a different language kind of thing. But people still identified that name as female, which was frustrating. And then eventually I chose a male name. But during that time was when I came out when I was like, Call me Shula, which was my Hebrew name, and I think that was when my family was kind of like confused. And we did have this long talk where my parents were like, Are you sure this is real? Are you sure this isn't just because you have a friend who's transgender, you know? Um, kind of thing. And by the way,
0: that's a great book title for the next book, Call Me Shula, you know? (laughs) Like, that sounds just just to make sure, I just wanted to mark that for the future.
1: <laughs> I have thought at some point I should write a memoir.
2: Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Like from the from the moment we've met you though, you you've just been this bubbly energy, and then you you threw in the word depression, and I, I feel that now that I'm getting to know you better, that because you feel more comfortable with who you are, right? That so, how would you compare the the Jack? that I'm meeting now as opposed to 10 years ago. Yeah. Tell us the shitty years.
1: Yeah. So like I said, I I did like kind of a friend who the whole drug addiction thing was pretty messed up. And you know, that's where probably where most of my regrets come from, because even though I didn't do drugs, it was sort of like this vicarious drug uh, disaster because it was like, we wouldn't have money for me i was getting my mfa and uh, you at the university of southern california you have to pay for their parking lot and i didn't have four dollars to pay in the parking lot because all our money was going to his drug habits. so oh, yeah. i would be late to my classes because i couldn't find parking kind of thing you know that program kind of like ended up being a big waste of money and time because i was, and there was a lot of anxiety where it'd be like you wouldn't know i would never know like coming home would he be sober would he be drunk would he be high you know and all that chaos so that was a really that was probably the toughest time of my life and then like I said after soon as I and that was my 20s and what had happened was when I was 28 I was like I'm gonna be 30 in a couple years and I'd like to say I'm doing something of my life because at the time I was working and in retail And that's not to put down anyone who is working in retail, but considering that I had a master's degree in creative writing and a bachelor's in psychology, I felt like I could be doing something more than a minimum wage job of my Mm -hmm. life. Um, And so that was at the point at that point I wanted to go back to school and I wanted to, and I decided I wanted to be a special ed teacher because I wanted to um, work with kids with autism primarily. And so that was like a tense thing in our household because I was changing and he was afraid he was losing me, which she kinda was. And when you get drugs and alcohol mixed in with that, then it becomes very tense and volatile. And so I what eventually ended up happening was I ended up moving to North Carolina for to go back to school. And he had a DUI, so he had to stay in LA because he had to finish his requirements. And then he used drugs and that was that. Yeah. So that was a really difficult time because there was so much grief and so much regrets. And then also so much, well, he's not here anymore. Now I'm seeing how bad things were, which you can't see from in the middle of yeah. that. So, and then trying to teach, well, first of all, North Carolina, like where I taught was in this very small rural community where they literally had not heard of anyone who wasn't Christian so that was a whole other issue uh, on top of which it was like, even though I hadn't started transitioning yet, I had a little bit of facial hair because I had a hormone imbalance. So a uh, hormone imbalance, if you look at female hormones, and the principal will be like, oh, you need to shave that because women aren't supposed to look like that. The kids might make fun of you. And, that and this, of was before,
0: this was before you were taking hormones.
1: Yeah, this was before I was taking hormones. And So, so, you, so you
0: actually, you're, your your hormones were already like generating from a a male hormone. So in in a way you just, you added to the hormones that were already kicking in your system.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause I had like a tiny little bit of facial hair that like, you know, that a lot of women or female identified female born people have like a tiny little bit of hair on the chin or on the, or, or on the, um, lip, and a lot of women will sh- will shave that or wax that because yeah. they don't want that. And so I wasn't doing that, and that would get me in trouble with the principal, who would be like, "You have to. That doesn't look professional. Mm. You have to get rid of that." You know. Mm. And I remember there's one time that because I taught special ed, and then and the teacher next door to mine taught the behavioral like, challenged kids. Uh, which is a nice way of saying kids who don't behave. (laughs) And so and I remember I was watching her class once when they, when she couldn't be in the room and one of the girls tried to like make me feel bad by being like, you're a man. And was like very confused about why that didn't upset me. I didn't fit in. And so I was like, okay, this teaching thing is not working for a lot of reasons. That was one of them also because I was teaching severely autistic kids and the principal had this idea that, oh, well, they can't learn. You should just babysit. And, that's, and I wanted to yeah. actually mm-hmm. teach hey. so that that didn't end up working out. And so then it was like, again, all that soul searching and like, what am I going to do with my life? And it got to the point where it was like I was doing some freelance ghostwriting for like websites and stuff and making like $300 every couple of weeks. Um, not make It go at the point where it's like, I have to make arrangements with my landlord to pay the rent late because I'm not going to have it till the middle of the month. And I have to make arrangements with this one and that one and that one. And, Mm -hmm. and during that time too, was when I was beginning to transition. And one of the things that I want to say is like with the government social programs that we have here, like um, food stamps and stuff, that makes it difficult because it's like, obviously they're going to ask what's your legal name? What's, you know, all those things. And Number one, if you're self employed, they're usually going to be like, go get a job. (laughs) Number two, if you are like I was at that time, I had not legally changed my name yet. So I had a female name, but I looked like this. That was awkward. And I never wanted to even fill out the, I never even filled out the food stamp application because I was like, I don't want to put this name on this application. And what ultimately got me to change my name was I got jury duty notice. And it was under my legal name. And I was like, I cannot go there looking like this and having a female name. Someone's going to think that I stole someone's ID. (laughs) And changing your name in North Carolina was very difficult because it cost about $600, which obviously was less, more than I was making at the time. Um, And they go make you jump through all these hoops because they want to make sure that you're not changing your name to evade child support is their, yeah, their official yeah. excuse.
2: Did, did, you, mm. did you ever uh, experience bullying?
1: Um, I, throughout my whole life, it was um, something that was very difficult and something that I actually write about in all my books, so my like, protagonists deal with bullying because of it. Um, as a child, like I mentioned, having autism, I read on like a college level, in, like first grade, so yeah. that makes it difficult in and of itself to relate to other kids, and especially the kids who are having trouble reading. sometimes there was a boy who was like who was not a good reader, not a strong reader, and he was always bullying me. he yeah. was also a he was also a patient of my dad, so it was like that Eddie Haskell thing where he would be nice if my dad was around, oh yeah, and be yeah. awful otherwise um, and you know he and I think he picked on me because. I was reading so far ahead and he was struggling. So Mm. that made him like, not like me. Um, So so so
2: it it didn't have to do then with you and your journey. It had to do with just you being really smart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that did definitely. But there was also around fourth grade, you know, it's when kids start to separate into girls and boys. And it was like, I, in the early grades, like kindergarten, first, second grade, I played with the boys and it wasn't a big deal. You know, we run races, at lunch, or whatever. By third, fourth grade, boys tend to be like, "Ew, you're a girl, go away." You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, a lot of times, I didn't feel like a relationship with the girls either. A lot of times, the girls would be like, "You're sitting like a boy," or something like that. So yeah. it was kind of like, "Where do you go?" Um, yeah. and I had one friend who was can, a can, boy. Can we too. can
2: we slow it down? Yeah. Where do you go?
1: Yeah. So that was, I think, that's what really made me a reader. Because Mm. it was like while everyone else was playing at lunch, I will just read my book because I don't really feel like I fit any place. So, like um, like this,
2: like you you kind of hide here.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I did a lot of reading and I did make one friend who was a boy who
2: Can I slow you down a little bit? Yeah. Uh, We're really traveling uh, like and light speed. I am, I'm almost in tears listening to your story and, and, and it feels like you don't have to be in tears, but more, it feels like you're at peace with it. But do you, are you also reliving it a little bit or are you like, um, it's in the past. I'm really happy with where I am. Cause I'm, I think, I'm really- yeah,
1: for the most part, I'm at peace with it. I, sometimes when I'm writing like fiction, I feel that connection to it again because my Mm. characters will deal with bullies or they will deal with feelings of they don't belong anyplace. And Mm. sometimes that'll make me tear up when I'm writing. But it is interesting because it's like, I think also I'm like, wow, I really have a lot of life to (laughs) (laughs)
0: share <laughs> yeah. yeah well you've got a memoir i mean as you were yeah. talking i saw the movie in my head you know <laughs> i was like wow i see a lot of activity here that like, he's, he's we're,
2: very visual like yeah that. so so jack uh, i want to jump into something else where like the, the, i'm trying to feel what it's like to be you and i'm walking on the street and i see a man or a woman that i feel attracted to how do you go about to engage it if you would engage it and do you ever find yourself like procrastinating because you would have to explain too much or how does that prose work for you?
1: Right. Yeah, that is really difficult. And honestly, all my relationships have all been online. Like I met the person online. And I think that both being transgender and having the autism has made that easier. Because for me also, like I shared earlier, I don't feel that physical attraction at first so mm. I will feel that emotion, but I will feel like that emotional connection. Like I'll meet someone, I'll be like, I really want to get to know this person. But then it can be like in my head, I'm like, do I want to know them as a friend? Do I want to know them as more as a friend? So that can be a little confusing. Um, yeah. What, what did you What did you call that? A, that, that p- demisexual.
0: Demisexual. D E M I.
1: Yes. Yeah. And all that means is somebody who doesn't the, the, feel the physical attraction until they have an emotional connection
0: and it's gender person. and its gender its gender uh, neutral meaning it it could be male or female in, the, in me, that world yeah
1: for me it can for some people they romantically only want to be with a certain gender okay but for me it's whatever i yeah. tend to be more interested in establishing a relationship with a female yeah. but i've also dated men so yeah. it's uh, it could be which, whatever and, you know, and, you know, or also non-binary people who are neither like, and who don't
0: identify as either male or female. So when you when you'll date these people, will you often find that they've already had more experience in this realm where there's less identity, uh, gender identity? Or will sometimes you be the first time that they'll have that experience?
1: Sometimes it's a, it'll be that I'm the first time. Um. The first woman I dated was a woman who had never dated a trans person before, and she didn't have a problem with it, though it did get a little awkward um, because I didn't know if she knew. I assumed she did because we met on Facebook, where on my Facebook profile it's very, like, trans
2: clear. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, So I kind of assumed she knew that. And then, what, What do
2: you mean by trans clear?
1: Like, if you look at my profile I'm very yeah. open about the fact that I'm trans. So, okay. uh I kind of assumed she knew since we had met on Facebook and then we were doing like, you know, we were doing the texting back and forth and it got a little bit intimate and it got a little bit to like let's talk about a sexual fantasy and when we did that I kind of hesitated on it when she was talking about what she wanted to do to me. I was like, does she know what I have
0: down there? <laughs> like, like, we need to have a discussion. Transgender is different than transsexual. Right?
1: Well, I, I asked her and I texted her and I was like, I just did it like very, like I just tried to be very natural about it. like when I was texting with her, I was like, just talked about what she could do to what I had and just, mm. you know, and she was like, oh, I don't care, but I had no idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> it like, so, so that so, was kind of awkward. It was the kind of thing where it's like, that's one of the things I think with dating when you're transgender is like, it always goes through your head. Do they know? When do yeah, I tell and, them? Like, and,
0: and, <laughs> and it seems a bit weird because it's not like the first thing you want to talk about in a date. right. Day, you Just wanna... for the record, before we go, I don't have a penis, you know, <laughs> right. like, like, that's not the first conversation you want to have. Like, right. I don't even know if I like you yet.
1: <laughs> right. And like, you don't even know, like, what the person knows or doesn't know about yeah. transgender or, or what they think. And, or you jokes. know,
0: yeah. right. Yeah. yeah totally. And
1: unfortunately, also for sometimes you need to be able to have a certain level of trust with the person because you need to know they're not going to become violent or yeah. anything like that.
2: Has that ever so, happened?
1: That has not happened to me fortunately,
2: yeah,
1: um you hear a lot of stories that it does happen to people um because, and, they feel,
0: because the other person feels betrayed or misled, and then they feel or they feel shame and guilt, and then they take it out, or what would be the reason? Yeah, I
1: it? think there is like there are a lot of, I think it has to do with homophobia too, where people oh. are like, I thought I was in a straight relationship, and now you're telling me that I did something gay because the body we have the same genitals or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think yeah. that has a lot to do with it. And I think one of the one of the bigoted ideas that people have about trans people is media sometimes puts in this idea that they're lying. They're trying to trick you. You know?
0: Oh yeah.
1: They're trying they they're, you know, there's this whole idea of a trans person is really the gender they were born as, but they're trying to pretend to be the other gender and that yeah. kind of thing. So I think uh, that plays a role in it and all that yeah, kind yeah. of
2: stuff. All of the story in the background. Yeah. In the beginning of the show, we talked about how ignorant we are about this subject. How are we doing?
1: I think you guys are doing great. Um, Is there any time?
2: (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I do want
1: to just um, mention in your intro when you said something about, we don't know anything about transgenders. I just want to point out that transgender is an adjective. So you would want to say transgender people Uh is the right way to say it.
0: (laughs) Nice. And what what would be offensive about that?
1: Well, when you say- Potentially. Yeah. Potentially when you say transgenders, it- Makes it sound like the person. That's all. The, that's what they are like. It can be. Some people feel it's dehumanizing because yeah. it's There's like a kind of would, label there. yeah, because it's yeah. like you wouldn't say like you you know you would you would say like it's actually like a, anything else like you would say like a gay person or a black
0: person or oh, whatever or a tall I person might, or a short. I might person, say the know. gays. The gays think that way.
1: Right, <laughs> right. So, like, so you're gonna get time, hate email. <laughs> a careful. lot of, a lot of times, you know, people do, or you know, a lot of people are very sensitive to that because yeah. they don't want to just be the um yeah, 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 objectified, yeah.
0: objectified, yeah. and then minimalized. Because in, right. the, in, in some ways, that's how society wants to work. And right. of course, it's always the intention of words. So, I uh, thank you for for sharing. So we had we have some comments coming in. I like one to get last question. Head. Yeah.
2: What are some of the what are some of the things people who don't understand transgenders might say or do, which is very unconscious, which might mm-hmm. be offensive.
1: Right. So a lot of times people will say,, um, born a girl or born a boy, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I think that's a big one because it's hard to wrap your mind around this idea. Um, because of the of way gender is constructed in society. it's And so a lot of people are like, oh, that person is born a boy or that person um, was born in the wrong body is uh, another one because I still have the same body I had, but it's been modified by hormones. So yeah. I, I have facial hair that I didn't have. I have hair in other parts of my body <laughs>
0: that yeah. I fact, didn't have. In fact, when I came to you with the show and I said, what are the show ideas? I think the first thing I said was born in the wrong body or something. And then, and then you said, no, Andy, that's not the show title. Right. Um, uh, because, and then I laughed writing back to you immediately. No, you were actually born in the right body. It just wasn't defined by society yet.
1: Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a big one that people wow. say, or uh, another one people will ask, you know, a lot of times people will ask, um, so have you had the surgery, you know, mm-hmm. and like I said, to be very open about it, but obviously, like you wouldn't like we were just talking about, you wouldn't go up to a stranger and be like, "What do you have between your legs?" And sometimes yeah. people do ask trans people that, like <laughs> when they first meet them, they're like, "Oh, you're trans, okay? So do you have do you have a?" do you have a penis or a vagina
0: it's like but 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 stay with that for a moment (laughs) Yeah. although it might be offensive in some ways i find it refreshing because if there's just trying to understand then i think there's like there's there's a there's an issue that i think that's sad is that when i on this show we talk about the talk aboutable like we can discuss everything now it's it's always the issue is that when someone applies a judgment or a value judgment to it, it becomes a problem, right? But if it's like like we're having a beautiful discussion. It's like, do you have a penis or not? Like and in some ways, right. that's the most innocent, loving question that would be asked. And yet it could be offensive to another person. So. Right.
1: That's right,
0: the yeah, legalized well, right it's, it's yeah, contextualized right? It's always contextual.
1: Yeah, it's yes because like I was saying like if you're gonna have sex with that person, obviously <laughs> it's, you good know, know. it's good to know what you're <laughs> gonna get to. But it's also the kind of thing where it's like especially in our culture, I feel like sexual parts are privatized, you know,' it's a private yeah. kind of thing where like the thing like obviously, like the same reason like if I go to a doctor, I get tell them. I'm transgender because the doctor needs to know, especially if I'm going to get a mammogram or something like that. Yeah, they yeah, need to right. know this person has female anatomy. So we need to be looking for the same things we would look for in a woman, <clears throat> yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But if it's just some person that I've just met, it's like, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Jack. And, um, and we're talking and I'm like, Oh, I don't know whether or no, I'm transgender. And they're like, Oh, um, so what surgeries have you had? What body parts do you have? Yeah, you know,
0: okay. <laughs> I, know, like, <laughs> I got <cool>. it. <laughs> I got it. Yes, totally. Yeah, I guess what I've noticed, and, and this is what I what I think is sad about it, all society, by the way, not just this topic. We bring on a lot of topics that deal with this where society has certain norms and then a, an outside the norm situation arises and people don't know how to address it. And then what right. I see is that like sense... It's so separate, like so in, in the case of transgender people, when they're in a situation, individuals don't know how to engage it. And right. and and then the transgender people also are are fighting to be seen and understood and recognized. And then there's often, a they separate further and further. So the conservatives get even more conservative and then the transgender people get even more diligent about saying, hey, you don't see me, you don't understand me. And I see that divide increasing. Right, right. Yeah. that's
1: what happens too. And I think that also, because there's a lot of misinformation that goes around For sure. because there are conservatives who have issues about around transgender people and there are also more left-wing people who have issues around transgender people. And what I've noticed the yeah. difference is when I've talked to my friends who are conservative who sometimes they will post like political things being like, oh, we, can have the, we can't have this because blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I've noticed that a lot of times their fears tend to come from misinformation where it's like, oh, well, you're saying that I'm not allowed to identify as my gender because Uh, everyone to be transgender or something like that. No, that's not what we're saying where I can explain. No, I'm saying, I just want to be able to express my gender too, or um, there'll be misinformation around medical stuff. Like kids who are young, can take what's called hormone blockers, which stops puberty from starting. It's a reversible wow. drug. If you stop the drug, puberty will begin. But a lot of times people don't know that. So a lot of times a lot of conservatives will be like, this should not be allowed because the child is too young for something that's permanent. And then if you explain to them, oh, it's not permanent, then they're like, oh, okay. Whereas okay. I've found that a lot of times with more left-wing people, the issue is more where they're comparing what they think is the most important issue for society to address, where they'll be like, why should I care about your right to, to uh, have trans children in school, uh, the sports teams that they want when we need, when we have issues in the United States with healthcare access kind of thing where it's yeah. like, okay, now you're playing the, like, who's more important game. Like yeah. it's all important. And yeah. I think that's, the big difference I see between conservatives and liberals, at least in the United States.
0: Yeah. Well, I see in the U.S., Everything is so politicized that Bombos doesn't like me talking about it anymore. Yo.
2: <laughs> You're not going to say that again.
0: <laughs> oh, no. OK, no. So I'm going to talk about it more. So then, so then, I've noticed that whenever I have to interact in with the U.S., it's so polarized that things become caricatures. So we're no longer looking at things as they are. We have to look at it through a lens of a conservative or a liberal lens, which means we don't see it for what it actually is. And that's. Right. And that's in so many areas. But gender identification is obviously one of the biggies just because it, 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 it's such a it's such a great thing to rally around. It's such a great right. thing to make trouble about because it's so easy to say, hey, I don't want that transgender going in the bathroom. It's like pick one topic that everyone can galvanize themselves around. And right. then all of a sudden you've got you've got a voting block.
1: <laughs> right. And then there's a the whole issue, too, that there are people, like I said, like some, like some of our friends who have misinformation who are like, oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. then they don't feel badly about it anymore. But there is also the issue that when you're dealing with people being bigoted all the time, and people wanting to, take, you can tend to get for a reaction or be like, "Okay, anyone who doesn't accept me right off the bat, you're I'm offended. Go away." Yeah. And then there's no dialogue at all. So,
0: yeah, and the dialogue is obviously what I always want to see because I see that's where one where we understand one another better without the idea that we already know, and that's uh, that's the life that I'd love that that I am part of. And speaking of bringing other people in,
2: Mr. Buller, Boulin- Mr. Bolang, who's in,
0: he's in uh, South Africa and he's basically uh, the, the third, third person on our sofa. He's always here and asking questions. There are people who are still calling him by his English name that he got rid of 27 years ago, even though I am, I've told them that, that that's not the name I use any longer. And that's the mind fuck that Andy's talking about. This was
2: in the beginning of the yeah, show. This is
0: what we discussed for me. Yeah. When we, so, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I can totally understand that. Um, I have a couple of I've been talking with a couple of parents who have said my child just changed their name. i trying to yeah. use their new name, but I forget sometimes.
0: Yeah. And how and uh, and d- your parents will just call you by your your new name. Yes. At and this how point, many, yes. How many times do you see them slip up at all?
1: Um, not with a name anymore. Um, Every once in a while, my mom will flip up and say she, and then she'll be like, well, I mean, I meant he.
0: Yeah, yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> but, but it's kind of like a thing where it's like, you know, I was a she and my female name for 33 years. It's yeah, yeah. hard to relearn.
0: Yeah. Uh, Iris, uh, who is Israeli, she's – um. Th- thanks for the fascinating sharing. Did you feel a difference in how society – Interacted with you as a female versus male. Very interesting question.
1: I think that's really an important question wow. too, and yeah, and that's a, that could be a whole topic for a whole other show. I agree so, totally. <laughs> but yeah, one some of the things I've noticed is like looking back at my, I wasn't diagnosed with autism until adult either, and looking back, I think one of the reasons was because I was socialized and seen as female and girls with autism if they are quiet and they do their work but they're having issues socially a lot of times teachers will be like oh well <laughs> you know and I think that was part of the issue and you know and some of the things I have noticed i was telling someone this story the other day was that I went to a networking event after I had transitioned and um, so the, one of the men there was like very racist, very homophobic. And he just sat next to me and started saying these things without any shame, having no idea I was transgender. (laughs) And I got the sense that he was like, oh, this guy's a dude. And being a dude means you say these horrible things. You know? And I don't think that he would have said those things if he... No way. Yeah. (laughs) So that was a big thing I noticed. And being self-employed, I think is a little bit different than if I was in a job because I think like most of the job jobs I had that were outside the home were before I transitioned. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it would be a kind of thing where it would be like I was always the person who was best at doing the work but didn't get the promotions and yeah. that kind of thing. And I'm pretty sure that was a gender issue as well. Um, and yeah. now, mo- uh, now I'm more, more or less self-employed for the most part. And I did, I when I was getting my social work degree was after I transitioned and I did um, have some internships, but it's a little hard to tell because I was out as transgender. So like the big issues that I would see would be like uh boss being like, hey, would you be willing to do a presentation for the other people so that they know how to interact with transgender clients better? Yeah. So that kind of is a different thing. Like if I, they didn't know I was transgender, yeah, I don't know how.
0: You, you, you know said it in that last paragraph, you said, when I it was after I transitioned, right? And and my question to you is, what would be the point where you defined it as the transition? Because you could say that there was a transitioning going on. So, right. what's the moment in life you said, okay, that's when I transitioned? What 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 right. when was? That? I
1: was I would say once I started hormones, it got my name changed.
0: okay, so that,
1: was that I was presenting as male and the legal documents match up. Which, by the way, is another reason that I'm glad to be self employed because Social Security does not. Change your gender unless you've had surgery. so every so even though I have a male name on my social security card, every time I apply for a job when they do the background check and they run your social security number, it'll flag it as this person is female and maybe it's fraudulent and I always have to oh. explain. <laughs> so that is
2: other 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 countries or places in the world or even in the US like states where this is not happening?
1: Well, the Social Security Administration is federal, so but state laws in the U.S. are different from state to state. Like here in New York, in order to change my name on my birth certificate and my gender on my birth certificate, I just had to send them the paperwork showing I changed my name and a letter from my doctor saying this person is transgender. That's okay. it. But in other states you have to have the surgeries or you have to have a letter from a therapist, not just any doctor. <laughs> or some states you have to have a letter from a therapist to start hormones and another letter from two therapists to get surgery. And other yeah. states you just have to go and be like, I feel I'm transgender and you have an intake where they talk to you about it, and they're like and the doctor's like, okay, this sounds like this person it's appropriate for this person to get out hormones. Yeah, yeah. So the state laws all vary. I don't know about laws in other countries because I haven't really researched them. I mm-hmm. you might know more about what it's like in it Denmark than I would. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have, but we have another question from Iris. And I gotta say, Iris, I love your new photo. Like she put it she changed her YouTube photo and she every time I see it, I'm like, that is a great photo. And how did you feel? Regarding your former name, we discussed this before, and she said, "I heard trans people refer to it as dead naming." I don't know if she meant demeaning or dead naming. She dead, wrote dead. naming, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Dead naming is what a lot of trans people call it because they feel that person is that name is dead. That's not who I am. Yeah. Um For me, I just basically like I don't really share my name unless somebody my old name unless somebody really wants to know. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, my sister's kids know because it was because my sister has. We have had old photos and old family videos where they call me by that name and, been, and when they were really little they'd be like, "Who's that?" And my sister's like, "Oh, that's Jack." So you know, so they so obviously they know they're ten now and so they don't. And so that's not a big deal, but like, I don't really share it with strangers. I don't feel like connected with it because my old name was a very common female name. So I meet a lot of people with that name and I never yeah. like go, oh, that used to be me or anything uh, like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank Excellent. you. Yeah.
0: There were a mm-hmm. few more. Bolalang made a joke to something earlier, so we won't put that on. Um, I don't understand this one that he said right here. I worked with a gentleman that none of us has ever seen at the urinals. And it is amazing how gentlemen wanted to know whether he has a penis or not. But no one was
2: prepared to ask. This was was when people don't. We're asking about penis.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but the, yeah, this is the situations that America, right. when, when you live right. in a society where everyone's messing in one's business. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I can d- definitely see that because there are some times where I choose not to use the public restrooms and sometimes because if I have to go into a men's room, like at the train station, and sometimes there's a long line and you know, the urinals are always free, but there's a long line for the stalls. And sometimes I'll be like. I don't want anyone to be wondering why I don't just use the urinal or, you know, or is or someone going to know because I go to a stall, are they going to figure out? what I have down there or have a problem. Yeah.
0: Is that, is that uncomfortable for you still today? Like being in New York and having to go to a public restroom? Like do you, is that like a moment you're like, Oh no, what am I going to do? Sometimes
1: it depends on where it is. Like in a restaurant, I'm usually okay. Like when I used to go to restaurants before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's not an issue because I'm at home all the time.
2: But I can imagine the the nightclubs are more uh, where, where everyone's drinking and there's a long line.
1: Yeah, yeah, nightclubs and also places like I take the train into New. I used, I would take the train to New York City too, mm-hmm. uh, and you know at the train at Penn Station, which is a big train station where you come into New York, they have a men's room and they have a women's room. And so sometimes, like after a long trip, I would be like, I want to use the men's room, but if there's too much of a line or too many people waiting. I might be like, forget it, because it's also awkward to use a men's room for me, too, because the way they're set up with the urinals. And sometimes there are men who go into the stalls, but leave the door open so you can see them peeing. And so I'm like, I really don't want to see that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I've actually we've had a lot of discussions because in the Netherlands, you know, we have outdoor urinals. And, uh, and my wife and I have had real arguments, not arguments, she's been arguing that how come society makes public urinals available to all these males, but there's nothing available for us right. females, right? Be-
2: because men just and pee everywhere.
0: Yeah, it, it, exactly. So we have to say they're going to pee anywhere, so let's at least have them pee at one designated location. But the thing that we were laughing at, she says, but there are these things that I can get where I can basically just have like a, a stream, like a funnel, and right. then pee like a man. So, right. in some and ways, I they're... know
1: that I know there are some trans people who use things like that. Yeah, there are some trans people who have who get a device so that they can pee like a man, and there are also some trans people who will get like a not a strap on that's like a sexual thing, but something yeah. similar, like a prosthetic kind of thing that they can put wear down there so that they can feel that bulge and they like that. Yeah, for me something i've ever really cared about so Mm. yeah (laughs) i haven't felt that need to do that but i will say it is awkward going into a bedroom too because sometimes it's like you don't always know if the stalls are empty and sometimes someone will leave and i'm like i don't want to walk Mm. in on someone or yeah and, and, or sometimes I'll be about to go to the stall, and someone else because the the line will be like they have two lines going this way to go to the same stalls. So yeah. like you're about to go to the stall, and someone from the other side just like swoops in, and it's like. And yeah. for me, I think that's probably more awkward for me as a trans person, cause it's also the whole thing of like not being raised now. Like I don't know, like what is the etiquette? Like what are you supposed to do if two people are fighting over the stall? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, a lot of the stalls don't have partitions on them either. So, I mean, it's not like you have any privacy.
1: Right. Well, yeah. we, do have, we do have a fair number of stalls that have doors um, in our restrooms. But yeah, and I will sometimes use a handicapped stall because it always has a door and it's yeah. big and, um, you know, and so – I would say, yeah, it's less awkward than it is, but there are still times where, and I think that's also going back to conditioning also, because like for so many years, I was not living my gender. So I was like, and especially before I started the hormones, you know, when I was having periods, it would be like going into a meds room when that's going on,
0: just
1: Mm. is not feel right. Going to the women's room didn't feel right. And that would be very awkward.
0: Yeah. You know what I think is interesting is that we are now interacting with you as a male. So for us, we see you as Jack. Right, we talk about your history, but it's right. interesting because we don't have to deal with all of the ideas that this is who Jack was before. Right. So now we have to deal with the confusion. So in some strange way, all your friends from this moment forward kind of are your meeting with the 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 Jack as you are now identified, which right. means life is a lot easier. Um, and it, it's it's just I just find it, and then not only for you, by the way. One thing we discussed often on this show is that when somebody does a drastic shift in their lives where they've fundamentally shifted who they are inside, but people don't recognize it, they always treat them as the old person, even though they're a very different person.
1: Right. Which is actually a very good segue because that's actually what my novel is about.
0: Please bring it out. Let's see it. and Let's talk about it for a moment.
1: Yes, this is a this is my proof copy. Your copy will not say not for resale on it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, this is Reinventing Hannah, which is available in paperback as well as hardback and ebook. And I will have an auto, uh, audio coming out. But anyway, it's about a 16 year old girl. Her name's Hannah, obviously. Um, and she has been holding back who she really is because her mom is bipolar. So she doesn't want to be like her mom. So she tries to be like the ultimate good girl until one day she goes with her friend to a party. And unfortunately, even though she's the one who doesn't drink, somebody drugs her drink and she wakes up the next morning with no memory of the sexual assault that she just experienced. Mm. And her journey is a transformation journey where she goes from being this girl who is so quiet that her friends call her mouse to being somebody who stands up for herself and other survivors and um, starts being an advocate for things to change. And so throughout her journey, one of the issues is that her friends don't like this. Her friends are like, this is not who you really are because they think that she, the way she was before is who she really is. And her, and so her best friend is kind of like, I don't, I don't think this is healthy. I don't, And is always trying to push her in the other direction that creates this rift between them. Because first of all, in addition to the fact that she doesn't tell her friend right away what happened. And so her friend is like offended by that. And then when she does tell her friend, her friend is trying to stand up for her, but accidentally mentions it in front of a lot of people. So now everyone knows, which makes life harder for her. And so there's this big rift that's developing but but the big thing is her personality is different. Now she's more likely to stand up for what she really thinks. She's more likely to say what she really feels. Um, she starts dating the guy that she wants to date that her friends thought was no good. Um mm-hmm. and she starts being like this different person, where for her old friends, they're just like, What what's going on? Whereas her and she makes some new friends as a result of what she's which is big, and for them, they're just like, "This is really cool," and they're pushing her to, yeah, uh, speak in front of the whole school, and she doesn't know if she wants to do that. So it's really about her transformational journey, throughout mm-hmm. this experience.
2: Beautiful. That's it. Can I see how thick that is?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, depending on the only edition, this one is three hundred something pages. I think the paperback edition ended up being four hundred something. Um, It's smaller. It's a pretty thick book. And one of the reasons I independently published is because young adult novels are supposed to not be more than 90,000 words. And this is
0: 100,000. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been learning all the world. You said 90,000. I'd say 75,000. That's probably closer to what they want to.
1: I think, yeah, because they say like 70 to 90. (laughs) But I think it's implied 90 is not what we really yeah. want
0: but well i can tell you for our show everyone would say our show should be about 30 minutes and <laughs> it's turned into an hour every day at least because that's the time we need to get to the point <laughs> how much from that book do you feel like is you channeling your life through hannah and how much of it is like just things that come up as through your creative writing
1: yeah definitely that's a great question um i like to say that hannah is who i would have been if i wasn't transgender Because Mm -hmm. at the beginning, I mean, I don't have a bipolar parent, but (laughs) at the beginning, um, she's very shy, like I was very shy in high school. And I didn't pursue the opportunities I want to pursue. And actually, her love interest, Brad, is partially based on a guy that was a class clown when I was in high school that I liked, that I knew my family would be like, you know. So it's partially based on that, and it's also – you know, I gave her, I made up friends for her that I didn't have, um, you know, oh. and she did, does some things that I wouldn't have done. And obviously like her family situation is different. Her friends are different, but the interesting thing that I didn't realize till afterwards is that she has two friends. One of which is um, her friend Sierra is a, a black girl who is a little bit more free spirited at her, Friend Molly is a redhead who's a little bit overweight, and those the, the, the script the physical descriptions, look just like my sister's two best friends
0: in high school. <laughs> but like, no coincidence. I, no but, coincidence. Right, <laughs> so
1: I was not even thinking that when I was writing it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really realize that. So my sister still in touch with one of them today. Yeah. And, and so she came over once and she still looks kind of the same. Oh, and funny. when I saw her, I was like thinking, oh, so that's where Molly
0: came from. <laughs> <You know? laughs> A deep subconscious moment, paneling.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's definitely no we similarities.
2: We're, I, I know we're over the hour, but... Did did you, like from the point of view of where you are today, did you go back into your past and uh, connect with childhood uh, people just because there were things that were not resolved for you or just to find peace or... Are you completely disconnected from that uh, past. I'm pretty
1: much disconnected from that. I mean, I do obviously have a relationship with my family, so yeah. that's continued. Um, I'm not really in touch very much with anyone from high school. I do have a couple of people that I knew in high school who followed me to my new Facebook profile when I because when I changed my name, I just started a new profile because mm-hmm. I was just like, anyone who wants to join me, and then I realized. In yeah. new life just come here and so i do have a couple of people from high school who are on there who i talk to every once in a while um, i think there was one lady that i knew online who when i came out was like i've known you all these years and when you were in high school i never had any reason not to think you were a woman and she didn't follow me and that was fun because i was just like she does not need to if that's how yeah, yeah. she feels um And then there were a couple of people from high school that I didn't make any effort to follow because I was like, I was never really that friendly with them. And if they're not that interested in me, I don't need them.
0: Yeah.
1: And I can't, I'm trying to think if there's anyone that I knew from childhood on my Facebook profile. I don't think so because most of my friends from childhood, I kind of outgrew by high school. So
0: yeah. Mm.
2: Wonderful. And I have one last super super question. Sorry. Sure. When parents call you to say hey my 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 child came out. Uh, I don't know if that if that's what you would call it right. or my child said they're transgender right. or whatever. They like when they say what do we do? My mind was saying love them.
1: <laughs> right.
2: But what, what would be the thing that you would first give to the, uh, these parents?
1: Right. So the first thing I do is I always start with a supportive statement. I always say, start by saying, I want to thank you for wanting to support your child. Because as we yeah. know, there are so many parents who unfortunately are not able to even take this step. And there are so many parents who would kick their child out of the house, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I want you to know that. I think that it's great that you want to support your child and I'm glad you're reaching out. that's where I start because I want them to be reassured that they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And then I try to talk oh, about, so let's talk about what's specifically going on for you and your child, what the concerns are and really try to do the act of listening and try to get at what they're feeling. And then um, I like to try to start small and give them a small action step to take, like, I remember the first one I talked to when, back when I was on the Trevor Project line was a woman who called in and she said, my son just told me he's a girl and he's in the basement getting drunk right now. And so as we were talking, she kept saying she, she, she about, or he, 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 whichever it was. Um, you yeah. know, I think it was a son transitioning to female. So I think she was saying the wrong pronoun. And so after I had spoken with her, Well, the first thing I did was I tried to use a child's name instead of using any for now when I was reflecting what she was saying to try to get her off that track. And then at some point I said, you know, I noticed you've been saying um, he. What would you think about saying she when you are with your child? And she said, I can do this long as my husband isn't home or something like that. Mm -hmm. But even that, I felt like what a big step for her. And I felt like that was – something yeah. actionable that she could do to get started that would help support her child yeah. right away with to make that effort. So I try to look for like, what can we little, do to get started?
0: Little steps that continue yeah. to progress in a direction. Yeah. I'd love yeah, to share so- a story with you, by the way, with just, just cause I always like to leave on a humorous note. I I'm visiting my aunt whose son has come out as gay, but it hasn't been announced to the family yet. I'm at the house, and she says to me, "Andy, before he gets home, I just want you to know that he's that you know our son is, is gay." And then, and then for me, it was such a normal thing, like th- to even make it a uh, theatrics of any sort was already absurd. And so I like I played this. I said, "I opened my, eyes, are you serious? No, he's not. Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and then, and then I said. When is he coming home? Because I need to leave before he gets here.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! And I,
0: and I could see her face didn't know how to process that. The, you know that like, it's like it's like her worst fear was coming to life right now. oh my,
1: oh my gosh! They actually rushing in the opposite direction of what happened after I had come out. My mom's aunt, too. She's not alive anymore, unfortunately, but she was at the time. Who? Oh. My mom was close, too. And my mom was a little nervous about her knowing because she was in her late 70s, early 80s. So she's like, I just don't know how she's going to react. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just tell her. So I sent her an email or a letter or whatever it was, and I just said, basically, I just want to let you know. I'm going by Jack now. I consider myself male, blah, blah, blah. And so then my mom talked to her on the phone, and her and she asked her aunt, and her, and her aunt brought it up. And my mom was like, oh, I didn't know how to tell you. But her aunt said, her aunt said I live in the 21st century. You don't have to
0: worry. <laughs> <laughs> no. exactly. exactly. That was sort of my reaction. Uh, wow. For people who might want to find and check out the book, how would they do that?
1: So you could go on Amazon. It's uh, it's exclusive to Amazon right now. So you would search for Reinventing Hannah or search for my name, Jack or Ree, on Amazon. And... People can also get me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. My I have two, Author Jack or or Coach Jack or I can send you those links as well.
0: So people who also are uh, both parents and, and the and the, the children either way can come to you. Is that right? Or are yeah. you, you focusing on either group?
1: I'm focusing mostly on parents, but I do work with children as well. And okay. also if they want to do like a family thing.
0: Thank you very much for being with us. It was a pleasure to spend time with you. Yeah, Yeah, same
1: here. Definitely. I really enjoyed this experience and really enjoyed talking with you. It was great.
2: It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way. Uh oh.